0: If you have your Bibles, if you open up to the book of John, John chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. We had a question we asked some of the kids in the congregation, what person in the Bible do you like and why? Ask some of the children, some of the elementary, kindergartners, preschoolers, if there was a character in the Bible, an individual in the Bible that you liked, who do you like and why? Here's an answer from Asher, this is a kindergartner, Jesus, because he is our Savior, by the way, the kindergartners, they have some really rich answers, and I wanted to show you guys this. I thought, man, they're doing a good job. Those teachers are doing an excellent job in kindergarten. Here's another one. Esther, uh, Lillian responded, Esther stood up for her people even when she could have gotten killed. I love that. Here's another response. Paul, he started killing and then became a Baptist. I, you know, that was Ellie Johnson, by the way. Um, here's another response. Keegan said, Adam and Eve because God took Adam's rib and made a girl. L- love that. Man after my own heart. Uh, this, this is, you know, when you think about characters in the Bible, there's so many rich characters, characters that just mean so much. Individuals, I say characters, but individuals, people throughout history that have meant so much to so many of us. And it just amazes me how the Bible is filled with so many amazing people. But there's one character, or one individual in the Bible that I think, to, I think about a lot. I'm drawn to him. Uh, I think to myself, this is somebody that I would, I would really enjoy meeting is Moses. And I think one of the reasons why I, I, I like Moses, because he's so fundamental, so core in the story of the Old Testament, I mean, he is the one who, uh, through Moses... When we have received the law, we see the law of the Old Testament, the law was given through Moses. And that's what John chapter one says, by the way, in John chapter one, verse 17, it says the law was given through Moses. And we know that. We know that without Moses is that core character in scripture that the Bible would not be the same book that it is. He's very important in scripture. And for that, I really enjoy learning about him. But the more I think about him, the more I realize, you know, I don't know that I actually want to be buddy-buddy with him or close friends. Because the more I think about Moses, the more I realize that his story is filled with a lot of tragedy, a lot of sorrow. See, Moses with the law brought distance, darkness, and death. To the people of God. And we see that as you study through the Old Testament and you see the story of Moses, you're going to see a lot of distance, darkness, and death. And, and really this story begins, maybe there's different ways we could begin it, but I, I see Moses stepping into Egypt and the very first thing that we see is the Red Sea, uh, excuse me, the Nile River filled with blood. Just this first picture of Moses with the Nile and, and blood. And, and as we look at the life of Moses, the blood is just going to flow and flow and flow throughout the story. Several plagues later, in the first we see the story of the firstborn child of, of these households of the Egyptians dead. Death upon death upon death those Egyptians who survived that experience would then go and chase Moses out to the Red Sea where they would be killed. And then we have the story of Moses coming off the mountain with the tablets, remember, and the people are, are making, uh, they're, they're worshiping a golden calf, and it's there that so many of them would be killed. But the story keeps going because the people who survived that experience, we see then an experience where there's a rebellion and the earth opens up and swallows those individuals. And then we see a story uh, of the Israelites rejecting God and being attacked by snakes or eating manna and, and in the middle of eating manna because they'd grumbled being killed with plague. And we have story after story and the people who survived these stories have to survive the next one and the next one, and in the end, it's just a story of death. All these stories of Moses just filled with death and sorrow and sadness. And so here I see Moses looking out in this nice, tranquil picture, and it dawns on me what this picture represents, is actually Moses looking into the promised land as he's about to die, and as everyone around him in that generation has, has died, this is not a picture of tranquility, it's a picture of tragedy, because those who survived pl- plague had to deal with Passover, and those who dealt with Passover had to deal with the, the passing through the Red Sea, and then they had to survive the pits, and they had to survive the perils and the pythons, and at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who just died, which makes this not just, not just a story of death, but it's a story of darkness. It's a sad story. It's a dark story because of the realization humanity doesn't keep the law very well. And when humanity doesn't keep the law, people die. You see, Moses is giving the law before Moses even gives it to the, the, the Israelites. They've already broken it. He's handing them a law that says, you know, don't worship other gods as they're worshiping other gods. And so before he even delivers it, it ends up being broken because people don't keep the law well. And and the result of that story is a lot of death. As people realize that they don't live up to the standard of God. And so here's Moses with this dark realization that the people don't they don't live up to God's standards. And in the process of that, this deep understanding of the distance between them and God, the distance. The distance that's seen as Moses goes up on the mountain and the people have to be separated. They can't get near they'll die. The distance that's seen is as Moses is in the tabernacle, you guys remember the tabernacle is this tent that's pitched where where Moses is supposed to meet with God and God is there with them in in their presence and yet there's always this separation that that they are never meeting the standard and so Moses finds himself at the tabernacle wanting and and needing to connect God and even will say in the story, I want to see your glory and God's response is, I'll show you a, a, a version of my glory but... You can't see my whole glory because if you do, you'll die. And the the issue is that there's always this darkness and this separation, this distance, and ultimately this death because of law. Because law brought distance, darkness, and death. It brought separation. And here's my question for you today. Do you ever feel that? Do you ever feel that distance and darkness and death? Do you ever feel that separation? Do you ever feel the darkness that hangs over us, the shadow that hangs over us? And I got to admit, at times, sometimes even I sit in the shadow as one who feels like I will never measure up. Do I sit in the shadow as one who has failed God? Filled with shame and fear, isolation, regret, hopelessness, and so many other things. I just don't measure up. Have you experienced it? And in those moments, do you cry out to God for an answer? An answer for the darkness? an answer for the shame, an answer for the sorrow. If you do, I want to suggest you're like those throughout history who have. People in the Old Testament who found themselves crying out to God. People in the New Testament who found themselves in the moment of realization that they don't meet the standard of God. I think about David, who realized with his sin with Bathsheba that he did not meet the standard of God, the righteous standard that he had broken most of the Ten Commandments, all in one event. I think about people like Isaiah, who stood before the Lord guilty, guilty of sin. I think about individuals like Peter, who hurt and betrayed his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think about the Ninevites, who realized they're they're wanting and lacking the state of being, and so they're broken before their God. I think about Paul or Saul of Tarsus, who saw how broken he was, and who recounts that feeling in the book of Romans when he talks about the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do, and who can save me? The people of Pentecost, who came before the apostles and acknowledged that they were as guilty as sin, having murdered Jesus the Christ in need of an answer. What is the answer to this problem? The answer to the problem that caused all the people in the Old Testament to die and to be lacking, and Moses to look out over the promised land and realize that he is not enough. Well, I want you to know there is an answer. You see, God responded, and he responded with love light, and life. And we see that in the Scriptures as we hear God respond to the broken. You know, Scripture says that a broken spirit and a contrite heart he will not despise. Scripture tells us that those who draw near to him, when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And we read that in John chapter 1. If you'll look with me The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, verse nine, verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him, but to all who received him, who believed in His name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh. Nor of man, the will of man, but of God. You see, Jesus came. The first thing it tells us about Jesus in the story is that all things were made through him. Do you know that God, Jesus Christ, made you, that he knows you? He knows your motivation, he knows what drives you, he gets you. But not only did he make you, he made you alive when you were dead. Because Jesus died for your sins. When we look at this story of the Old Testament, here we see person after person after person dying because they don't meet the righteous standard of God. But Jesus came. And Jesus, by meeting that righteous standard, through his death, we now live. One man died so the rest of us could live. Jesus the Christ. And this illuminates us. We become illuminated by this truth. His life brings light to humanity. I didn't meet the standards of God, yet He accepted me and loved me regardless. And we're illuminated by that acceptance what good news it is to know that you become the children of God. We become the children of God because of his great love for us. Even while we were still sinners, he gave himself up for us and it illuminates our lives and it gives us purpose and it gives us a will and a desire to continue on. I want you to see that he loved us. He loved us even when we were not worthy. God responded with love, light, and life. Now, in John chapter 1, John is going to respond to this and say, here's what I call that. You see, John called it grace upon grace. When John, in John chapter 1, verse 16, talked about what this light and this life and this love was, he said, this is grace upon grace, perpetual, never-ending, continual grace, grace added on top of itself, grace that's never completed, continual grace. John 1:16, from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. We call it amazing grace. Do you know what amazing grace is? Amazing grace is when you see who you are, you look at yourself in the mirror and you see how unworthy you are in light of the law, how that just like those in the past, we deserve death and yet God is so gracious. We call it amazing grace. Maybe we could call it amazing Jesus. That Jesus is just that amazing as he brings life and light into our lives, his great love that we see the amazing grace of God and we know this to be true. We know this to be true because as Moses would go out and the people were falling like flies before him because they didn't measure up, Jesus goes out and what do we see? We see him drawing near to people, drawing near to people. The lepers, the adulterers, the tax collectors, the demon-possessed, outcasts, sinners, foreigners. There is no one that Jesus would not touch and care about and love and show mercy towards. When they came to him in need, he was there for them because of his great love, because of his amazing grace. That's what John chapter 1 says. If you'll look with me in John chapter 1, verse 14, says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. This passage of scripture draws us back to that story of Moses. There's a story of Moses in the book of Exodus that talks about Moses was in the tabernacle that place, that tent that had been laid out and put up, and it was there that Moses wanted to see the glory of God, but Moses couldn't because to see his glory would be to die. He was unworthy. In John chapter 1, verse 14, this phrase, the word became flesh, is literally the idea that God tabernacled among us. It brings with it this idea of pitching a tent, that God came and he pitched a tent among us in the form of Jesus Christ. He came to this earth with us and he pitched his tent in the form of Jesus, and now we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's continue on in the passage. Look at this. I want you to notice what it says. He is full of grace and truth. Keep reading in verse 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I think it's amazing the scripture could have said anything. It could have said that Jesus came full of wrath or or God could have come down and we have seen wrath upon wrath or anger upon anger. But the scripture says this, that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Moses brought the law, but Jesus brings grace and truth. That word truth is a fascinating word because it reminds us that the righteous standard of God still exists. The righteous standard of God still exists, but where truth comes, guess what comes as well? Grace. Moses brought law, but Jesus brings grace and truth. The more truth Jesus brings, the more grace we need and the more grace is given. Look at the passage again. I want you to notice the words grace and truth. Truth is mentioned here twice. Grace is mentioned four times. It says, He came from the Father full of grace and truth, for from the fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now I want to tell you this, as you read through the rest of this gospel, the gospel of John, the word truth is going to come up 23 times. 23 times. The righteous standard of God is going nowhere. It still exists. But in this passage, for whatever reason, John wants us to know that as the righteous standard of God exists and is strong, Jesus keeps showing grace upon grace upon grace The word grace only comes up four times in this gospel, and it's right here. And I believe that's because throughout the rest of the gospel, Jesus is going to show us what grace looks like. He's going to show us what grace looks like as he interacts with different individuals. But here's the point. As truth continues on, grace is seen more and more and more. Do you see the grace of God in the text? Do you see the the overflow of love, the light in the life of Jesus Christ? It is grace that is amazing. We're beginning a new series today called The Power of Grace. The Power of Grace. For the next few weeks, the preaching team is going to be looking at this idea of what does grace look like in our lives? And what does Scripture teach us about God's amazing grace? And as we look at it, I'm hoping that we begin to see that there is a lot of love and a lot of grace, a lot of gifts given to us in Jesus Christ, grace for our salvation, grace for our day-to-day life. But I also want you to know this that that grace is found first and foremost in Jesus Christ. As Moses sat there and he looked out over the promised land, I imagine there were a lot of thoughts he had. I imagine that he thought about his life and he thought about all those individuals who had died to that point and how dark a story that was, I can imagine how distant he felt in some time, sometimes from God and all the death that it had brought. But I also believe this, that as Moses sat there, he contemplated the grace of God. He thought about the fact that a generation who was unworthy would be walking into the promised land and that God had an answer for that problem, that problem of sin. He remembered the promises, the promises made to Abraham, and he remembered the idea that God would not forsake them. And oh, and by the way, John chapter 1 verse 45 tells us that he remembered Jesus because he studied him. He thought about it. He longed to know him. And so Moses, looking across, must have wondered what that grace would look like what it was to understand that amazing grace. You know, he understood grace in his own limited way. And we have the opportunity to know grace because understanding grace starts with knowing Jesus Christ. Today, I want you to know Jesus Christ to know who he is and how he cares and how he loves us. Because knowing Jesus is the beginning of understanding the power of grace. Let's pray together. Father God, we desire to know you. We desire to know your grace. We long to know Jesus. Father, help us to be like you in all that we are and all that we do. Help us to know the Christ. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. If there's anything you need from this body, won't you come now as we stand and as we sing together?